This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 63. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your wife, Kelly Hurst. You're my beautiful wife. <laughs> uh, we're both marriage educators, co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, today's episode, we are calling Covenant versus Contract, and we're talking about marriage. Uh, despite the fact that the concept of covenants is seen throughout the Bible, there's several covenants that are in place in Scripture. It's it's a word that we don't use frequently in general conversation. Most of us have uh, very little understanding of the word covenant. When we think of marriage, we usually do so in terms other than a covenant marriage. Uh, and the way I think most Americans are beginning to approach marriage more and more is in a contract mm -hmm. sense. In fact, I'm hearing more and more uh, couples that are actually putting into their vows, for instance, uh, I pledge to stay committed to you for as long as I love you. Wow. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> that's not building... I'm assuming you're not officiating over those vows. No, not. Yeah, well, you're not allowing anything to be hoped for in that marriage. I mean, yeah. because our, if we're basing our pledges to get married on our feelings and whether we're, we're feeling the vibe or not, mm -hmm. uh, that's not, that's probably not beneficial for the long-term health of our marriage. Right. And the reason for all that is because we live in a contract-oriented society. I've heard recently that it's, it's actually easier to get out of a marriage now than it is a contract for a purchase of a used car. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of a marriage, when you have a, a marriage that's just based on uh, you do this, I do this, and as long as we're both in agreement, kind of like a, a legal partnership, if, if your marriage is based on that, then you're going to be creating a situation with a lot of resentment, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger eventually, because you're going to be looking at each other and monitoring each other to say, hey, are you doing your part? It's going to mm -hmm. be a very conditional kind of relationship. Mm hmm what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's not like we sit with couples who are in trouble and they blurt out and say, hey, well, you know, I've got this contract mentality. You know, it's not a it's not anything I don't think couples are even that aware of, um, because when you get married or the typical couple that we interact with, when they get married, they're making assumptions that they're going to be happy in this marriage relationship. And yeah, there's conversation around, oh, I know marriage is going to take work and I know marriage isn't always going to be easy, but you don't really anticipate that you're going to have, you or you could have some dark days mm -hmm. where you feel like, oh my gosh, am I the only one really trying in this thing, you know? Right. Um, so what happens is, and, and I just had a conversation recently with a young bride who's very unhappy in her marriage. And, you know, she just said to me, point blank. She said, you know, I deserve to be happy. And so if I'm not happy in this marriage, I'm going to get out. Yeah. You know, and that sounds plausible if you think about marriage as a contract. Yeah. 
But if you understand what marriage is in the way that God, or we believe God designed marriage, it's a lot more than just that. Well, it goes back to that consumeristic approach to all relationships. So it's almost like if we could clip coupons Mm -hmm. to get a better marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, like you maybe clip coupons to get a better rental rental car, you know, uh, we would do that. So we want to kind of get into the differences between this contract mentality toward marriage versus a covenant mindset of marriage. Yeah, so, we, need, we, need, we need a little refresher course on this. I think it's very uh, muy importante. So let's let's talk about four general characteristics of, of contracts in general. You know, one, one characteristic of a contract is that contracts are uh, frequently made for a limited period of time. Mm-hmm. Not always, but a lot of contracts that are set up you know, have some type of finite end date, some type of expiration. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you approach marriage that way, you know, like we're going to do a five-year marriage. <laughs> I mean, we'll laugh now. That's probably on the horizon. Yeah. People are going to say, yeah, I'll do five years. And then you kind of, it's kind of like a, a job trial. Say. Yeah. Well, you have a whole generation or, or a culture that thinks in terms of starter wives and starter marriages that, and starter husbands. Now. You know, it's it's just not that unusual to think, well, I'm starting out this way and I hope it lasts forever. But if it doesn't, I've always got other options. So basically, we're replacing the famous till death do us part part of traditional vows with things more like we're committed to each other. If this relationship continues to be mutually beneficial, mm-hmm. if it doesn't, eh, you know, yeah, no harm, no foul, we're out. And, you know, I think about if we were really to attend weddings where the vows were set up that way, you know, I honor to, you know, I promise to love, honor and cherish you as long as you love, honor and cherish me. Right. Who would even shed a tear at a wedding? Yeah. <laughs> because it'd be like the reason people cry at weddings is not just because it's beautiful and everyone looks wonderful. It's because you're saying a vow that you know is bigger than what you can really manage. It's something you really can't do. You can't do it divine, by yourself. You can't do and it that, I think help. that's what moves us to to weep at weddings. It's yeah. not just that it's so beautiful. It's that that's a huge thing to say out loud. It really is. It's a big commitment. It's an impossible commitment. Yeah. So these people that uh, these days are starting to marry themselves, have you seen those? Marry themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah there's a lot of those oh, stories. I'm, on... I'm out of the loop on this one. Yeah. No, people are marrying themselves. This is just another oh, my option in today's consumeristic society. But I probably would not cry at those weddings because probably not. <laughs> I would cry, but for a different reason. Okay. Another characteristic of contracts is that they can be broken. We talked about this a minute ago. If a person doesn't honor the contract, doesn't uh, uphold their end of the deal, well, then there are clauses that allow you to break the contract. Mm-hmm. And this is happening a lot where people really are writing their vows and even creating living together relationships that mm-hmm. aren't even marriages at all right. that, that are drawn up by lawyers. This is starting to happen. Co- a, cohabitation contracts. Yeah, exactly. You know, you do this, I do this. As mm-hmm. long as we both honor these uh, stipulations, then we'll continue this relationship. It's yeah. very romantic. <laughs> um, so another characteristic of contracts is that they're based on a if-then mentality. In other words, mm-hmm. if you do this then I'll do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's that conditional expression of love. And th- the thing about a conditional expression of love is that it's really not love. 
Right. It, if if you back up and look at the the big picture of what love is supposed to be. That's right. You know, that kind of situation, a spouse is relying on the other spouse for their happiness. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Lots of luck to you. you well, know. and you th- and you and people may be sitting and listening to this going, "Well, you know, I'm not sure I totally get the unconditional love. Well, if you're a parent, you get the unconditional mm-hmm. love because we don't we don't have those kind of ties with our kids. Well, I'm going to love you if you obey me, yeah. or I'm going to love you if you behave to the point you don't embarrass me in public. You know, well, we don't do that. We right. we sacrifice for our kids no matter what. We're kind of hardwired to do that. So we're capable of doing that even mm-hmm. when someone we love is not behaving in a way that we would like for them to. Yeah, most of us would say very. Um, Quickly, yes, I would take a bullet for my child, for mm-hmm. my son, for my daughter, whatever. Mm-hmm. But would we say that about each other? Mm-hmm. You know, we, maybe we would say it, but do we really live our lives as if we sacrificially would do anything for our spouse? Mm-hmm. It, it takes it, it really takes more intentionality because we're not flesh and blood, hopefully, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with our spouses. You know, uh, it, it takes that commitment from the very beginning. Yeah. Then finally, contracts are also motivated um, most of the time by a desire to get something. What you do you know, mean by that? Well, you know, people sign a uh, a lease contract uh, when they're leasing a car because they want to have a car. The salesman signs a contract because he wants the commission mm-hmm. from that lease, you know, mm-hmm. or from that sale. Uh, so there's a, there's an ulterior motive happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like what Larry Crabb says. He talks about, you know, when he got married, I think he's been married like 40-plus years now. But I thought you were going to say 40-plus times. I was saying, no, no, no. why when, is he teaching? No. When he got married, uh, okay. he says, you know, w- what most of us are really thinking uh, is, you know what? I like how you make me feel. This is how we kind of feel about our partners and future spouses. I like the way you make me feel. So let's get hitched and you just keep doing that for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. Because we don't really know until we've been married and we move into that later phase of real mature love. We uh-huh. don't really understand what we're doing. We love this person so much because they make us feel great. Right. And so we get married and we don't really understand that. Well, what if this person stops making me feel great? Yeah. Am what I about still going to love this person? Mm-hmm. And so, I like the idea of us talking about contract and covenant because, to a certain, to a legal point, marriage is a contract. There sure. is a legal on some know, level. On some level. Yeah. But we're talking about the bigger picture here, and right. which is what people really deep down in their core want out of marriage. They just don't always know how to get it. Yeah. Exactly. And you're listening to Marriage to the Max.
welcome back to Marriage to the Max, and we are continuing our conversation about a covenant marriage as opposed to a contract marriage. Well, the first half of the program, we were talking about the characteristics of, of a contract. Now we'd like to shift a conversation to what are the characteristics of a covenant. Covenant is similar to a contract in some ways. It is an agreement between two or more persons, but it's the nature of the agreement that is so different. All throughout Scripture, you see these recurring uh, characteristics of covenants, even though all the covenants in Scripture aren't exactly the same. But mm-hmm. uh, one common characteristic of a covenant is that a covenant is initiated for the benefit of the other person. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of spinning the consumer mindset on its ear. Mm-hmm. You know, A lot of us can say that we got into marriage, we were motivated by some deep desire to to maybe care for somebody or or to love that person or you know benefit that person in some way um, you know there was that period where we really did want to make that other person happy because mm-hmm. we were in that chemical fog mm-hmm. where life's just happy all the time and you start tapping into how great it feels to make somebody else happy and mm-hmm. so forth it's when that chemical fog wears off and it's when you find that those needs aren't getting met, mm-hmm. which is going to happen. Yeah. That's going to happen in any relationship. Any relationship you have in life mm-hmm. that's got any quality amount of time, yeah. you know, you're going to let each other down because we're broken people. We mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do that in marriage and we're upset about it and we're saying, hey, that's not what I signed up for then that reverts us back to that contract mentality and that temptation to say, hey, you're not keeping up your end of the deal. Right. I may look elsewhere. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. Uh, what You're right. When we have a contract, we're, we're more so in it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not really concerned with the other party getting what they want or need. We just want to make sure our end gets taken care of. Yeah. And that brings us to the next point is that covenant relationships – are relationships made on unconditional promises and mm-hmm. and about unconditional love. It's not tied to circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, and that's more what the tradi- traditional vows say, you know, in sickness or in health, you know, in plenty and in want, mm-hmm. you know, till death do us part, those mm-hmm. types of lines. It, 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 what we're saying is regardless of what's happening, yeah, regardless of whether you signed up for a spouse that has a terminal disease or you signed up for somebody that you find out has an addiction issue. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you'd be a good idea to talk about those things before you get married. But mm-hmm. if that happens, where are you at? Are you going to are you gonna honor this covenant that you have made with that person and with God? Yeah. Or not? I'm reminded of a couple friend of ours who uh, they've been married a few years now, but they got married. And a month later, literally a month later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And, she, of course, she had to go through the whole thing, you know, surgery, chemo, radiation, the whole, I think it was about a year and a half long experience for them. And I remember them talking about how she looked at him at one point and said, I'm sorry you married a lemon. If mm-hmm. you want to get out of this thing, I'll understand. And he looked at her like, get out of this thing. Like, this is us. Right. You know, I didn't sign up to marry you just as long as you're healthy and beautiful, you know, and it's a, it was a beautiful story to watch them go through that. They have a very, very strong connection. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, now that they've been through that, they can get through 
anything, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's that's what suffering and even conflict and all the other hardships of marriage do. They build strength if you are in a relationship that's based on commitment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. another aspect of covenant relationships is that is when we just said that we're viewing commitments as permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, you like to talk about. Uh, one of our early advantages, you've said, is that I wouldn't allow us to use the D word. We, mm-hmm. we never talked about divorce. That was off the table, mm-hmm. you know. And we're both children of divorce, mm-hmm. so that might have sounded like something that was a, a, a pretty bold thing to say. Kind of crazy, almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But because we were going into a covenant, we're like, we were believers, mm-hmm. and we did believe that we were honoring God by making this a covenant relationship rather than a contract relationship, and that we were going to stay married to each other for life. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. That we're in the we're midst doing. of doing You're that. You're stuck. That's right. Stuck with you. <laughs> Don't ya. try getting out. Yeah, I'll come chase you down, hunt you down. <laughs> so that permanent commitment aspect of covenant relationship is so vital, vitally important. Mm-hmm. And then also covenant relationships, just by their very nature, they require occasional moments of confrontation. They require instances of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, any healthy relationship is going to work this way. Absolutely. If we don't forget, if you're just friends with somebody, you know, even just uh, your best friend, whoever Mm -hmm. they are, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not willing to forgive that person when they do something wrong, when they say something wrong, when they let you down, when they show up late, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that friends can do, well, you're not going to that friend for very long right? because we're just going to do that. In marriage, we're going to do that times 100 yeah. because we're with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's all these adaptations that we have to experience uh, together. In a covenant marriage, you, you help each other hold each other responsible. You know, you're, you're accountable to each other. Mm-hmm. You're not just saying, you need to do this and you need to uphold your end of the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, in our marriage, you help me do better. I help you do better. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're both pretty screwed up people, <laughs> but we love each other, and we know all the things that make us mm-hmm. sc- screwed up. You know. Well, and it goes back to John Gottman's research. One of his main principles is learn to let your partner influence you. Hmm. Most of us get kind of we we dig our heels in and we think well it's my way or the highway or I've got all the answers. We don't say those things out loud, but our behavior kind of points to that. But his research has found that when when you're just vulnerable enough to realize, hey, I don't have it all figured out and I can actually let the strengths of my spouse rub off on me, then we can make each other better people. Right. Yeah, I agree. After saying all that we've said about a covenant relationship and the permanence and the commitment and the no escape clause and Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing Mm -hmm. of all those aspects of a covenant relationship, we do want to say that a covenant relationship, especially a covenant relationship, is no excuse for a relationship of abuse. Absolutely not. So we do want to make that point. If, if you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in an abusive marriage, if, if you're in harm's way, you know, seek safety, mm-hmm. get to a safe place. Don't continue to put yourself or your children in jeopardy. But, mm-hmm. but those are um, exceptions. Yes, you know, they are. To, to what we're talking about. God cares very deeply, and we care very deeply about the sanctity of marriage. 
That being said, the marriage is not more important than the individuals. In the marriage. In the marriage, exactly. Exactly. I like what Leslie Vernick talks about. She's a therapist and author, um, great, great books. And she talks about the difference between a disappointing marriage and a destructive marriage. Mm -hmm. And those are, you know, a lot of people find themselves in a disappointing marriage. It's not the same thing Mm -hmm. as when you're living with someone who's, you know, where there's habitual infidelity going on or there's a severe addiction that interferes with regular life or, of course, any kind of uh, extreme abuse. You've got to protect yourself, and that there are biblical grounds for that. We won't spell it out all here, but um, so we just always want to clarify when we're talking about staying in and making your marriage work, we're not talking about putting yourself at risk physically or even emotionally that way. Right. All of this that we've talked about, I think, brings us to one of the most important aspects of a covenant relationship. It's not a two-way it's not a two-person relationship. Yeah. It's a three-way relationship between husband, wife, and God, mm-hmm. and not in that order. Mm-hmm. We like to say that God is the one that does the heavy lifting. You know, How many times have we said that just the whole notion of getting married is really pretty insane mm-hmm. on paper? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that you and I are going to live permanently for the rest of our lives, and we don't even look at life the same way, <laughs> and yet we're going to... We're going to live in the same house for decade after decade and, mm-hmm. and try to raise kids together and, and grandkids <laughs> and you know all that kind of stuff really doesn't make sense. But it does make sense if God is part of that covenant. Yeah. And this gets back to the fundamental foundation is that marriage from the beginning has been God's plan. And so, yeah, marriage is an act of faith. Mm-hmm. You, a huge act of faith. Almost the ultimate act mm-hmm, of faith beyond mm-hmm. giving your life to, to God in the first place. Yeah. There are no guarantees mm-hmm. other than the guarantees that God makes to us in Scripture. And mm-hmm. one is that He will meet all our needs. He will care for us. And uh, He will be the strength of your marriage if you allow Him to be that. Yeah. We know. We have seen it in every conceivable um, situation in marriage that a couple can enjoy a strong marriage regardless of what storms are coming against their marriage mm-hmm. if they will allow God to be the strength of their marriage. Yeah. That the things that you that the things that nobody would want to navigate on their own, they can somehow get the strength and peace to do that if mm-hmm. God is at the center of that marriage. Yeah, definitely. So Okay, well, that was heavy stuff, but I... Well spoke. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. And also, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, We hope that you will share the love of this wonderful podcast by rating it on iTunes. This helps us to get more visibility and... Uh, We would just appreciate that very much. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.